Hello! Before you listen to today's episode of Industry Minds, we just wanted to highlight a comment regarding girl power in today's episode. Industry Minds would like to clarify that in no way is this statement intended to applaud dishonesty as we realise listening back that this comment comes across in a different way than it was intended. I was simply referring to my own personal experiences of girl power where actions to uplift other women might not necessarily be the right thing for the individual. This is my own personal experience which I didn't elaborate at the time. A very warm welcome to Series 5 of Industry Minds, sponsored by us, Tax for Actors. We take the stress out of self-employment. Stay tuned for an exclusive offer only for Industry Minds listeners. But for now, enjoy the show. podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reid and I'm Scarlett Maltman and today we are joined by the gorgeous Amaka Okafor. How are you? Oh my gosh you said my name right. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> People always get it wrong and so I just was like wow they haven't even asked me how to say my name and they're just starting. Okay. <laughs> No, but honestly, saying my name right, like when people repeatedly say my name wrong through jobs and whatever, Mm. and I can feel the moment where they let go and they just go, do you know what? I can't get this right. And it hurts me every time they call my name. It hurts me. I can't can't believe that people just like stop trying. That's that's like the rudest thing in the world. It's terrible. I did did a, a radio interview once for Glasgow Girls, actually. On the BBC, I will name and shame them. And they, um, it was on like London Live or something. And me and one of the other actors, we were um, just doing a plug for the show. And they said our names and they got my name like hugely wrong. And they went, is that right? And I went, no, it's a Maka or Kafo actually. And they went, oh, well, it's pretty close, I thought. So anyway, and I was like, oh. no. no. Wow, that's all it needs to be. It just needs to be a bit close. Cool, thank you. Literally boils my blood. It's like, it's not okay. Raging, I'm raging. (laughs) But you guys have got it right and it's just made my heart sore. So thanks, guys. No worries at all. (laughs) Anyway, so we're actually mixing things up a bit for the listeners. Um, Today, I will be doing the word association game. Scarlett texted me about 10 minutes ago being like, can I do the other, can I do the last game today? And I was like, what? So we're going to mix it up. I've, I've, ha- I've had enough of the word association. I want to be more creative in isolation and do the finish the sentence game later. Fair enough. <laughs> so Amaka, here we go. Just the first thing that comes into your head, okay? Oh, no. You'll be great. Don't worry. Books. <laughs> Just thinking of rude words. That's Bad. fine too. Okay. Dick. <laughs> Sunshine. <laughs> Buttercup. Art. Ooh, A level. Shakespeare. Boring. Shopping. Tesco. Music. My dad. Family. My dad. Auditions. <sighs> Stress. Candles. Mm, scented. Baking. Bacon. Wine. Red. A snorkel. (laughs) Dolphins. Empowerment. Women. Comfy clothes. 
pajamas. Lovely. Yes. Sorry that my first word was dick. Do you no, know what? That's my favourite. Fantastic. Okay. Oh, <laughs> no, just the word. <laughs> For, every, for everyone listening, Scarlett this was trying to... This is a raunchy not... edition podcast coming up. <laughs> well, that's when it's past eight o'clock. Exactly. Most of the time we don't need to use the E on the podcast because people don't swear. And I love it when they do because okay, we cool. swear. Amazing. Okay, great. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> so let's go on to some questions, shall we? Um, so we always start at the very beginning. What led you into the art? Um, I was going off the rails as a kid and my my mom and dad separated and at the time when they first separated I was with my mum but later my dad took me and my sister and he brought us up but before that I just went off the rails massively and I think my godfather said to my mum put her into um like youth theatre and this is in Birmingham and so there was this theatre company called um stage two which this woman, Liz Light, who was just this like young um, firecracker woman, she was really fucking scary. We were all shit scared of her because she expected proper work from us and she expected us to be professional. I was like nine, but she, um, I went there and I, you know, I never got any main parts. I was, I had no friends. I was not in the clique, but I just loved it. And then I went to a school with an amazing um, drama department and my teacher, Mr. Turner, was just a complete ledge. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I think the first thing that actually happened was, do you know Beverly Hills Cop, the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my first best film of all time. And for ages I thought it meant, because he plays a, a police a policeman right and so for ages I was like oh I think I want to be a police person and then I was like no I want to be him I want to do what he's doing have you seen have you seen that film yeah yeah ages ago ages ago my dad I think Eddie Murphy is incredible in that film he is so free and he doesn't give a fuck and he is like um, he's just amazing in that film and I watched it and I just remember going I want to do that I just want to do that so that's that was how it started <laughs> amazing. amazing and did, did you did you go to drama school or did you just no. naturally fall into it I've just been blagging it I um I did all the plays at school um didn't get a main part until I was in my sixth form then our last year at school I got my first main part in, and then um, I went to university in Liverpool, did drama, but it wasn't drama school at all. It was, of course, it was about making new work. So we had terrible facilities, but um, we learned about community theatre. We learned how, I learned how to do lights and sound. I learned how to direct. I learned how to build the set, all of that stuff. It was a really holistic course. Um, and then I just went out into the world and did community theatre for a few years with no agent or anything like that but I worked solidly with you know the set in the back of the van driving up and down the country going into schools and prisons and all that stuff and then I managed to get an agent um, my uncle helped me get an agent actually he bought one from a co-op to come and see a prison show that we were doing but we did one night in a little studio venue in Paddington and then I just gradually worked my way um, just up it really took time to just work my way 
through. And I, I really feel like that was my drama school because it didn't just suddenly happen. I didn't go to RADA and then just get some telly jobs. I was properly learning on the job, working with people more experienced than me and watching them and going, right, okay, do that, don't do this, do a bit more of that. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. I love that. I love that. Amazing. And I, th- I think there's such a pressure for young people to go to drama school and it's like you you will not make it or you will not be, you know, you will not get to where you want to be without going to drama school. I think there's such a stigma attached to it when actually if you put the hard work in and go whatever path you want to go down, you'll still end up to to where you want to be. I fairly believe that. So I think that's very awesome. Well, I didn't really know about drama school. I just didn't really know it was a thing. My family were all out in Malvern, which is in the middle of nowhere, countryside place. And I just wanted to work. And I didn't live in London so I didn't I wasn't aware of the London scene do you know what I mean so I'd go and do a job and then when that job finished I'd come back to Malvern and live at home with my family and so I didn't have mates that were like doing rehearsed readings or going up for things that I should probably be being seen for do you know what I mean and I think Mm. that is the key to my survival at that young stage in my career was that I was deeply entrenched in my family And I had young siblings that were born just as I was graduating. And I just really, really wanted to be part of their lives. I didn't want to be that older sister that was just lived in London and they never saw. So every time I finished tour, I came straight home and took over the childcare and was their sort of mum slash older sister. Do you know what I mean? And I I loved that. And, you know, yeah, there were stretches of time where I was like, fuck, am I going to get a job anytime soon? But joy of being home and being with my siblings and Malvern I don't know if you know is a really beautiful place it's hill it's got these amazing hills and I go up them as much as I can and honestly the countryside the natural world just sorts my head out where is Malvern it's it's in Worcestershire and it's kind of sort of out Heref- near Herefordshire, Gloucestershire, out west, oh, midwest. Oh, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Oh, go on. Fantastic. Amazing. It's amazing. It's a bit BNP, but, you know, <laughs> sidestep that. <laughs> I love that. You've really, like, earned your stripes and worked your way up. It's amazing to hear um, your story, where you've come from. Um, you have done a huge range of work across theatre and screen with... BBC, ITV, The Old Vic, The Young Vic, uh, <laughs> Royal Court, National Theatre, The Almeida, and even Glasgow, uh, the, the National Theatre in Glasgow. Um, we previously chatted to you at the Raindance Film Festival last year. And at the time, you were in a play called The Sun at the Duke of York Theatre. And you were saying that it was the one of the first times that you'd played a role that was true to your age bracket. Um, so we had a little chat about this before we started recording, but chat us through this. and. Do you think it's important to play roles that represent you truthfully as a person? Yes, I do, actually. And there are some actors that actually don't want to be anything like themselves and they just want to act. And I fully respect that. I suppose I feel I don't see myself represented yet. And I'm always having to squash myself into a box that people think that I am, which I know that I'm not. And um, 
I've sort of longed to just be able to be myself on stage. And in the sun, I got to just be my age and people watched it. So, and I was in a relationship with a guy that's a bit older than me in the play. And people assumed there was a huge age gap between us and there isn't, but it looks like there is because I just look younger than I am. And there's definitely judgment behind it, but I wasn't being asked by my director or the writer to change my acting. I wasn't being asked to be play up or play down. I was just playing the truth of the scene, which just was amazing. It's just really um, liberating to be able to not have to squeeze yourself into a box that people that don't really know anything about who they're asking you to be. Do you know what I mean? People mm, yeah. give, they go, oh, I've written this, I've written this woman, I want you to be her. And you read it and you go, okay, I can do that truthfully. And you do it truthfully. And they put their sort of judgment on what they think the woman is. And you're just like, that's not true. What you're asking me to do is just not true. And it then becomes like a painful exercise to then try and carry out what they want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Definitely. It's like the freedom to create as well that we do. We do this because we want to create and tell stories that mean something to us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And to have like, to trust that the audience will accept what you're giving them rather than go, oh, they're not going to believe that she's in her 30s. So she's, they're not going to believe it. The fact is I am. Many women are in their 30s who you might think are not. That is just the truth. So just let let us be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Completely. There's no one size fits all for no the age bracket of thirty to thirty five or thirty five to forty. Everyone looks completely different. Yeah. So and like it's so wonderful to embrace that and to to then like try and stick to the stereotype of what people expect in inverted commas. I think prolongs this way of seeing people. We're not going to break mm. out of that until people stop being a bit braver about how they cast. Just a Absolutely. bit more open. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that will all change when everything reopens I think lots of people are rethinking things aren't they so I think there's an opportunity to really change how we do things when we go back because the landscape of theatre it sounds like it's really going to change and I think that that's a really good catalyst for us to change how how we've been doing things and just make it better mm. <laughs> yeah yeah I, th- I sort of feel as well like during lo- lockdown that I sort of return to the essential me which I've really enjoyed. And I feel like if theatre does that too, like a a return to just, that sounds so wanky, but like just the truth, like a pure sort of truth. That's what I would love to just go to the theatre and see a good story rather than like this time we're doing the play, but it's set in Mars. And the concept is la 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 la. I'm like, please, no, can you just do the play? And can there be people from all over the place in the play, but we don't have to explain it by the fact that it's set in Zimbabwe. That's why there can be black people in the play. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. Here, here, amazing. So can you chat to us about your experiences with mental health, either personal to you or things that you've seen um, throughout your time in the industry? Yeah, man. Um, It's just like, it's really hard to sort of um, differentiate between experiences that, because everything, everything is mental health, isn't it? And I feel like, I didn't realize that I'm quite a resilient 
person. So I've managed to just like muddle along. And a couple of years ago, I started therapy because I um, had a bit of a, I feel like I had a crisis actually. Um, I did have a crisis and I didn't realize that's what was happening, but I just knew I needed to talk to somebody that wasn't in my family and that wasn't my friend. Um, and so it'll be two years this summer that I've been having therapy and it's amazing. Um, gosh, it's amazing. I love my therapist. He's such a G. Um, and I feel like it as actors, I think we might need it sometimes because I just, I don't know how everybody else does it because it's such a personal thing, isn't it? And I always really use myself as a way in when I'm finding a character. I'll just be like, okay, how are we alike? And then figure out how we're different later. Do you know what I mean? And so that puts you in quite a vulnerable position. And so then when things are happening to you in the rehearsal room or on set, you are just that bit more um, naked emotionally. Do you know what I mean? And then... I've never been a person to, if I feel hurt, to sort of turn around and bite at the person straight away. I've always been the person to go, ooh, what just happened there? It's, it was probably me. Let me go away and think about that. And then by the time you've had time to process what's happening, you know, it's sort of too late. You can't really address it and call anybody out on anything. And I'm not really a sort of calling out kind of person, really. And so... I don't know. I don't know if I'm even answering the question. But I, f- I mean, a, a thing happened where um, I did a job with someone and basically that person broke up with their partner while we were doing the job, right at the beginning of the job. And their partner was convinced that me and him were having an affair, which we weren't. Um, but at the end of the job, towards the end of the job, we did get together. And it fucked me up. And it has taken me a year to sort my head out. Like it has seriously fucked me up and it's taken steps to figure out why it has fucked me up. And I think a lot of it is to do with our industry because so much of it is down to your reputation. And you think all we have is our reputation. If someone is trying to take that down, take you down, what can you do? But I chose not to post anything publicly about it. I just didn't, I just didn't want to do that. That's just not my way of dealing with things. And actually I felt guilty because I felt like I had done something wrong. Um, but now I've had some space. I know I didn't, but at the time I just felt like I did. Do you know what I mean? Cause it was quite close to them breaking up and all of this stuff. And then the therapy has been an essential tool in helping me get my head around this shit, but also trying to go, okay, yes, you're an actor. Yes, people are going to talk about this because our industry just loves this shit. But I have to get to a place where I don't let it affect me. And throughout this year, I've gone through different sort of levels. I've hit different levels of sort of progression of working my way out of it, where I've gone okay, I think I'm okay now. And then something will happen. Like I'll get something on my feed on Instagram and suddenly I'm flooded and full of demons and it's horrible. And you go, oh my God, or who am I, who are my real friends? Do you know what I mean? And then I get over that and then it takes me to the next level. And then another thing happens and I'm finally coming out of that. And it's taken a year of serious soul searching of going, why has this messed me up so much? Why am I so upset? Really? 
what's the worst that could happen? And yeah, you can talk about industry, la, 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 la. The fact is when it comes down to it, people just care about whether you do good work or not. They don't really care about your personal life, really. And the people that do are the people that you don't really want to work with. Really, it's I care about what people think of me, really. I care about whether people like me or not. And I don't like that, that that's true. But I've had to come to terms with the fact that it is true. And then once I sort of looked that in the face, you then go, oh, well, I have some really great friends who love me. And actually, when I told them all about this, none of them had seen it. None of them had seen her post. No, none of them had heard about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's such a ramble. No. But it's, no. it's really been a massive part of my last year. Yeah. No, not a ramble at all. And thank you so much for being so honest with us about that and how, how therapy helped you with that. Um, I mean, we're such big advocates for therapy here. If, if there's anyone who's listening to this, who's um, maybe not even gone through a similar situation, but is really feeling like they need to talk out, but is really scared about therapy, is there anything that you would say to them that might have helped you when you were thinking about going to therapy? Yes. The therapist is not going to tell you you're wrong or call you out at stuff. That I, I have not once in my two years of therapy experienced somebody say to you, say to me, no, nah, that's that's not what's really going on here, is it? What's really going on is this. That would just won't happen. You get to lead it. And so if on your journey to therapy, something happens to you on the tube and you end up spending the whole 50 minutes talking about that, you lead it. That's what you need to talk about on that day. And some days you will end up talking about something that happened to you when you were seven that you completely forgot about. And But everything means something and nothing's irrelevant. And that person is there to just it's a tool. It is literally like if you're digging in the garden, you need a trowel. That's it. Yeah. Completely, completely. Yeah. And actually, I have to tell you why I felt guilty because I feel like I did a bad thing. Because this is key to why one of the keys to why it's taken me so long to get over this. Um, when they broke up, I think I looked at her Instagram, and you know, when you look at someone's story, they can see who's looked. I did not know this because I'm shit at technology, right? So I was just curious to look. Like nothing had happened romantically between me and him at this point, but I was curious to see who this chick was, right? So I looked um, on her Instagram. The next week, he comes into my dressing room and he's like, listen, this is really embarrassing and awkward, but me and -and so-and-so have broken up, as you know, but she wants to know why you're looking at her Instagram. And I instantly was sweating and red and embarrassed because obviously I was looking because I was interested. And why was I interested? Because obviously I fancied him, right? So I was like, oh, she just did some funny things. So I was just watching her because she's funny. Oh, I'm really embarrassed. He went, don't be embarrassed. So anyway, carried on. Maybe a week later, a mutual friend of mine and hers calls me up and goes, hey, um, so-and-so wants to know why you looked at her Instagram. And I was like, I've, I've dealt with this. Should I just message her? And she went, I think you probably should. And I should never have done this. I shouldn't have done this. But I messaged her and I said, listen, I'm sorry to hear blah, 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 blah. You guys broke up. I was just looking at your Instagram because you post some funny stuff because she does. She's funny. So anyway, it ended. But really what I did was I messaged somebody to go, hey, don't worry. Whereas actually I knew in my heart of hearts I had feelings for this person. And I feel like against my own moral code, that's a lie. And Mm. so I think because I went against my own moral code, it has like 
fucked me up because even though what she put on for social media isn't true it pricked at the guilt that I had about that do you know what I mean yeah yeah completely I think that that's girl power though and like us females always wanting to do the right thing for other females do you know what I mean yeah and it's you've got you've got nothing to be guilty about at all no I know I'm sorry that that happened thanks it's the public shaming that just makes me really sad man where you just go oh wow you're just shaming me you're trying to take me down I did feel like really sort of targeted but now I just think it's one of these things that my dad has talked to me about loads me and my dad are really close and he talked to me about this a lot because he's a musician um and so sort of had a similar kind of career life and certain things happened to him through my growing up where I would hear him say things like when people are told things about you you just the ones that believe it will believe it and you have to let them go your true friends are the ones that will come to you and check that you're okay don't go running after those people trying to prove that you're innocent or to the people that know you are the people that know you and I just understood him so much more when this happened I was like oh this is what he's talking about yeah absolutely I think that ties in with so much that I think particularly with you know on a greater scale you know media surrounding the arts and targeting people and fabricating stories and you know stuff like that and I think that ties in so so powerfully with you know mental health and I think exactly that you know your your true friends I think as well like with gossip it's really made me completely hard and fast with gossip now which is never anything that I particularly wanted to entertain before but now when anybody goes oh apparently so and so and so and so I'm just like nope I'm just not buying it until the person comes to tell me their story themselves I'm not I'm just not do you know what I mean yeah yeah and you just think people love to say stuff like that about famous people as well and you just think why why do you want to do that it's weird isn't it so weird Mm. so much more to talk about than other people's supposed lives their apparently lives yeah yeah Yeah. you can talk about (laughs) how brilliant they were in that film I just saw Mm -hmm. yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so you are mother to a gorgeous little girl and I live for your Instagram footages (laughs) footages of you both it's so amazing and parenthood is something that we love to chat about on this podcast and what challenges have you encountered being a mum in the industry oh bloody hell a lot um gosh a lot uh I mean it's been amazing but it has been challenging it's weird like uh, the first few jobs I went back to work when she was four weeks old um but her dad is incredible and he came with me um and would just sit in the cafe while I worked and on my coffee breaks I'd feed her and he was just an absolute ledge like such a rock but there were things like you know once she was staying at home and I was expressing things like small things like on coffee breaks I was having to express and there was nowhere for me to express so I I used to get inside the wardrobe that was part of the set for some privacy and express in this dark wardrobe and like the director just didn't seem to give a f- and it was a woman as well and I just think they thought they were doing me a favor by letting me work when I had such a young kid or something 
and then once coffee break was over I wasn't given any I wasn't allowed to have a break of my own it was like I'd chosen to use my coffee break to express therefore I'd have my break and I think I was so grateful to be working and I didn't want the fact that I had a kid to be a problem I just dealt with it and was like okay cool I'm just so grateful to be here and you know I was working with a company of people that didn't have kids and had no experience of that and you know I just fucking got on with it but then it's it's like when they're babies it's a challenge and before they're in school it really is how how do you make this work childcare wise and I mean I sort of wish that so actually at the globe Michelle Terry is doing this thing where you start a bit later and you finish a bit earlier where I would love it if everybody did that because, you know, if you call me, I can start earlier now because she's at school, but if you finish me at 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock, I will work fucking hard for that whole time. I will really work hard for you and be able to get home in time to pick my kid up from school. Or like jobs that I've done where they think they're doing you a favor by breaking you at six instead of half past six or at half past five instead of six. And you just think, you know, it takes an hour to get home and she goes to bed at seven. Do you know what I mean? You just think, you just have no idea. And when everyone's doing their play, I think people are very good at talking about um, including parenthood into our industry and making it more doable. But when they are working on their production, the rules change because they need to take the hours, they need to get the job done and they want to use all the time they've got. So, I I mean, that's my sort of gripe at the moment with sort of theatre world yeah do you, do you think it will change because it's some uh, we we chatted to someone recently who as well said that that time scale thing is brilliant and if every single you know company done that there would be an incredible result and um, do you think it, it will change oh no <laughs> I think it would change I that's I feel really bad for saying no um I feel like I have to now say I would love to take this job. These are my times. This is my, these are the times I can work for you. If you can make that work, then cool. Because if we don't own what we need, other people aren't going to do it for us. So people, and they might not even get it right. They might be trying to get it right for you. And so like, um, on the last job I did, they decided not to call me on a Saturday morning because they thought I'd enjoy my time with my daughter in the morning and instead worked me late on the Friday. So on the Friday, it meant I didn't get to put her to bed. I didn't get to see her all day. And on the Saturday, in Saturday morning, she goes to Madrasa, which is um, Sunday school for Islam. So I didn't see her on Saturday morning. So I was just sat at home going well, she's not even fucking here. And they've done this because they're trying to help me. But actually, I need to say, this is what I need. It would be nice to be asked, actually. Do you know what I mean? Well, definitely. Um, And we we were going to ask, what do you think needs to be put in place from these creative teams in order to help mums and dads in, in the industry with regards to rehearsal processes and being in shows? Yeah, I think they need to say, what do you need? So I had that on this job. They said, what do you need? And I said, can you, so they said, so one of the other um, people in the cast, he's got a new baby and he's been asked to be let go like three times a week um, earlier, like 
at five or something. And I was like, I would love that. And it didn't happen. It didn't even happen once for me. It happened for him, but it's because he had less lines. But because I had more to do, I just was needed more. But I just think, just use your time better. Just use your time better. I'll work really bloody hard for you. Tell me you'll break me at 4.30 and I will really work hard. Do you know what I mean? Even like, you know, Eva, Evo Van Hove, is that how you say his name? The guy who did, he's the one who directed, uh, he did um, Hedda Gabler, the one with Ruth Wilson. Oh, was that Hedda Gabler? International. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, And he did, he's done a bunch of other stuff um, and he's meant to be, you know, the cat's pyjamas. He works from 11 till 3. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, there are shows that need more time than that. But I also think, you know, tell us at the beginning of the week what days you're going to need us for. Nothing is going to reduce me to tears the way that being called for a day, turning up on time and not getting used for two hours will do in theatre. Filming's different. Everybody knows you just got to wait around in filming. But when it comes to theatre, just plan. And when you've got to the end of your hours that you allocated to rehearse this particular scene wherever you've ended up just stop come back to it later and honor the people that you've asked to come in that have been sitting on the side do you know what I mean yeah absolutely yeah absolutely it's it's totally just about it's about time management and organization and making the best use of what you've got because I mean we've said it before in an interview like how many and you've just said it how many times you've been called in and you've not been used for half the day and it, it, if you're called in for less time and if we start to have a bit more of a, right, this is the time we've got to do this, like people's focus is going to be so much better rather than yeah. I'm in for eight hours, but I'm not being used for four hours in the middle and you come back and you're sluggish and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's... But also, since becoming a parent, my focus has got so much better. So since having her, my time management is way better. So when I'm on something, I'm so on it. I don't like warm into it like I did before. I'm just like, this is what I'm doing and I'm doing it 100% now. Like, use that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Absolutely. So much has to change. So much. I think that's our next next topic, Kathy Reed UK. Our next prod, Kathy Reed UK. Stop calling me that. (laughs) I I always call Kathy by her full um, By my Twitter handle, yeah. Which is Kathy Reed UK. And I'm like, thanks. (laughs) But it sounds yeah. really like, oh, she's going to do stuff, Kathy Reed UK. Yeah. Right? She tries. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Owen Woodgate here from Tax for Actors. As promised, we have a very exclusive offer for Industry Minds listeners. For those of you who don't know who we are, we are an accountancy firm specialising in, yep, actors and others within the creative industries. So for Industry Minds listeners, we're offering 20% off our standard fees for self-assessment. Drop me an email, owen at taxforactors.com. Contact us via our website, taxforactors.com, or via Twitter or via Instagram. When getting in contact, make sure to mention Industry Minds and you'll benefit from 20% off our price for this year. Enjoy the rest of the show. So as we mentioned, you were one of our fabulous guests at the Rain Dance Film Festival live podcast in September last year and um, we asked you this question back then but I think it's so important to you know keep the topic alive and discuss it and um, the industry seems to get a bit harder for women once they reach their 30s which is it's just baffling because there's so many great stories 
to tell. Um, how did you navigate the industry when you hit your thirties, and what has your experience been like? I know we've touched a little bit on it at the start. That yeah, I was I was really thinking about this and wondering like what my honest answer is, and I think there's a combination of things because I look younger than I am. That's sort of an issue, so I don't feel. It's never, I, but the thing, actually, what is really the thing is that I never get cast as the young um, female lead. I'm never like the young ingenue, if you know what I mean. Um, for different reasons, I think a lot of them are probably race, also um, sort of exposure. And I think hitting my 30s if I'd been in my 20s playing those roles, hitting my 30s might have hurt me because I was used to something different. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Whereas my actual experience is that my the roles are getting better as I get older. And I think that is to do with that my career is going in the direction that I'm really happy about. Um, and also the world is starting to see people that look like me as attractive um, where it sort of hadn't been the case where I would always, I've always, I always usually have to be sort of like the sidekick person, basically the person who doesn't go on an emotional journey in the story, um, who is, has to be the, the sort of person to support the other person. Do you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. yeah. You never, you never have your own story. You're just there to facilitate the other person's story. And that has only just started to change. So, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, I start, I get, do you ever have that thing where auditions come through and you read the script and you're like, oh, my God, yes, it's happening. <laughs> the writing yeah. is happening. Like it's, it's happening. The stories that I want to be part of are fucking happening. I didn't get the job, but it's, it's being made. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Amazing. Completely. Definitely. Completely. Yeah. So that leads on really nicely. And something that we often talk about on the podcast is representation across all sectors of the industry. What has your experience been being a woman of colour in the industry? Um, I really don't want to be negative, but I do also really want to be honest. Um, I feel like there's a lot of what's the word when um people assume what someone's going to be like uh, stereotyping um, yeah and that people assume that you're going to be a certain way and then they get to know you and they're like oh you're not what I thought you were going to be just you know black woman mixed race woman you know strong feisty aggressive I get that a lot and I'm just not I'm really not and I feel like that has just been really fucking annoying. But the women, I've worked with some amazing women and that has just been a joy, like a real joy. And to be seen properly, has it, when it happens, it's just so glorious because you're no longer that stereotype. Because the thing that hurts about stereotype is that people don't take the time to get to know you. They just assume they know. They, they know they know they know everything about you and you just think you have no idea you have no idea you're going by what you've seen on the telly 
And that's wrong, what you've seen on the telly, because people like you chose what was on the telly, not people like me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that has been seriously tricky. But the last few years, I have felt things shift. I really have felt things shift. And I feel like I would just love to be asked more. So even when it comes down to hair and makeup, I think with the hair and makeup world of filming, people think that because they've discovered this Afro hair line called Cantu, they think that they've completely solved Afro hair. And, you know, Afro hair is the most diverse kind of hair. Like, it's not all the same. It's so different. I can't even explain to you. And Cantu products might work for some people, but I can guarantee you it won't work for like 70% of black people. It just won't. And so when you are sitting in the chair and people bring out the Cantu and there's no conversation you know in those when they when you have those phone calls before you go you even start the job just say what would you like me to use in your hair do you know what I mean things like that and when if you're just being asked what your experience is about a certain thing rather than just assuming it just you know treat me the same as Go as deep with me as you go with other people. Don't assume that you know about me. Do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. any sense? Yeah. No, completely, mm-hmm. completely. We we had um we spoke at an equity. Um, yeah. were you just thinking this? I was we just spoke thinking at an about equity, this. Yeah. Kind of female empowerment, and there was an amazing woman on the panel, um, and she was saying that um she you 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 can explain it better. Yeah, it was um, it was talking about makeup and how she. Uh, it was it was a question about representation again and it was cross film and how she says that she often gets to set or she gets to the theatre and they get the makeup out and they they didn't have the, the right colour for her and she says that she has this thing where she says we're not oh I'm not in the kit um, and how that's just like not acceptable anymore that there's not that there's not that they haven't at least made the effort to to find out what works for each of their actors and that that's kind of what she was hoping to to see change over over the next oh yeah it's terrible I actually did uh last year in May I did this episode of Vera and I don't even care that I'm saying the name because these people need to know that this is bad what they did where I went up I was this character that was supposed to be discovered um I was discovered unconscious in a wood right Um, after being shot in the leg, I think. So they put me in this, quite a few things happened that were wrong in this, actually. They put me in this wood, um, real wood, and I was supposed to be in this muddy bog. And they didn't put anything down for me to lie on. They didn't put any protective anything. They put me in a bog. I'm not joking. So I was lying down and they made me put my face in this fucking bog, right? And every time I got up in between takes, I was completely soaking wet. My bra was wet. My knickers were wet. Like I, water from the bog was going into my vagina. Do you know what I mean? And I would just like, and as every time I got back down, I could see all the fucking creepy crawlies coming out to have a look. And like, it was wrong. I wish I'd gone, hang on a minute, this isn't right. But I was like, there are people here that should be saying this. There are people here that are supposed to be looking out for me. So anyway, we did that shoot. It was over. It felt wrong to my bones. It felt wrong. And I couldn't help going, if I was a white actor, would they have done this to me? Would they have done this to me? Anyway, right. I come back down to London, do some other jobs, and I go back up to film some other scenes, right? Maybe a month later. And the director comes up to me and he's like, hello, Amaka. Obviously, he gets my name wrong. Thanks, me. 
and he's like, um, one of the producers, no, this is how he started it. He went, when a white person is ill, they lose their color and they go really, really white. When a person with black skin gets ill, what happens? And I <laughs> was just like, what, what is happening? I was shocked. I couldn't even answer. He just went and he went, the producers saw the rushes and you look too brown, you look too healthy. So we're going to have to shoot it again, right? And I was just like, no, you were just seeing a brown person. You were just seeing a brown person on the floor. And they whitened, like they made me look messed up in the in the woods. But that's just what someone with brown skin looks like when they're messed up. So anyway, we filmed this scene in a hospital. And in between every take, the director was sending the makeup woman in to white me up. And he was like, her hand looks too brown against the bed sheet. You need to white her up, white her up. And I was just like what this is wrong this is just wrong what's happening here and I think I, I and you know it's one of those shows where no one's gonna watch that do you know what I mean I, I just left thinking I'm not quite sure what happened there but it didn't it didn't feel right and I f- wish that I'd had my wits about me and I could have said something but I felt so disempowered in that space Mm. I felt so unable to speak out about it because I was the only person of color in the room with all of these people telling me what a black person looks like when they're ill it it was just I can't even remember why I'm talking about this (laughs) sorry How, how long ago was that that wasn't recent was it that was May last year oh my god yeah no. That whole thing's just completely baffled me. I've just, I think my mouth was like on the floor with that. And thank you it's for telling crazy. us about it. Yeah, thank you for being so honest. That's okay. I think I'm ready to do something about it now. I think back then I was like, oh, oh, but I can't make a, I can't make a fuss. But now I'm just like, no, I don't want somebody else to experience that. But it's not, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable behaviour to to be like that and to to ask questions like that. It's just not. So I think it's really great that you've that you've said it and that it's going out there. Yeah. You should have taken that to equity. Yeah, I probably could still could. But also it's that, yeah. like, he should just do the work. Don't ask me what yeah, would happen. Hey, that what happens to someone with black skin? What, who are you? I don't have black skin. What are you talking about? But also just do some research. If yeah. you feel like it wasn't right, do some work. Don't put it at my door. Yeah, exactly. 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 And, and that's why it's important to have like representation across all aspects of exactly. the production, because if, exactly. you'd had, if you'd had like a, a, a woman of color or a man of color who was a makeup artist or hair or something, then that means that that isn't going to be a problem. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Completely. Madness. Thank you so, so much for chatting. Chatting yeah. about that. For being so honest. Um, so um, you, you actually mentioned in your previous answer that you've worked with quite a lot of, um, of females and female directors. Um, and we've had a look at your CV. <laughs> and some of them include people like Elizabeth Freestone, Sally Cookson, Noma Dumaswene, Cora Bissett, amongst others. I didn't realise that Cora Bissett also did directing. I saw her in a play a few years ago and obviously Noma is incredible. Mm. How important is it to see female representation in the creative team for you? Oh, huge. It's just so wonderful. 
It's so wonderful. I think, I mean, I've had a bit of a tricky relationship with my mum. So I think, I don't know, I feel like I, I was a bit, I have been in the past, I found it harder with women. Actually, that's just not true. So like Lindsay Turner is one of the smartest people. She directed me in a couple of plays. One of the smartest people I've ever come across. and watching her lead a room in tech as well you know like when you're holding all of those strands together and you're having to tell everybody what to do and not piss them off when you're telling them what to do everyone's tired and a bit annoyed that we're having to do the beginning of the scene 75 times but you have to do it again um she really like watching her was amazing and Cora Cora is amazing like the fire that she has about storytelling and I don't know, it just feels like there's something about when a woman is leading the room, I feel like there's some deep understanding between us that we don't have to really talk about. I feel like when there's a man leading a room, more things need explaining that's outside of their reference of experience. But because we've had to deal with male existence and the male way of dealing and we've had to negotiate ourselves in there in a man's world for so long, we're used to the different sides of them in a way that I feel like they're not so used to the different sides of us. And so when there's a woman leading a room, it feels like there's less people that might feel excluded, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that if there's anybody leading a room that knows what it is like to be other. So whether it's a man that for whatever reason puts him in some sort of category that's not the majority or, you know, a person of colour or whatever, if there's somebody that, has experience of what it's like to not be in the majority everybody just feels way more sort of brought into a massive cuddle do you know what I mean yeah completely that was so beautifully put like as well Com- yeah completely agree completely massive agree cuddle. <laughs> I love cuddles want. I miss me cuddles too. I do I'm forcing it's my daughter to give me everyone. cuddles and she's like ah mom get off she's like, so cute Jesus, she is so cute. I can't handle it. Her fucking face. I want to bite her cheeks off all the time. She's so gorgeous. She's literally scrummy. She's so beautiful. But the thing is, yeah, all the stuff for her to watch on TV, she basically thinks white people have more fun than black people. Why? So she made this this comment the other day, right? So she tells me these stories of things that she's done once she's gone to bed as though they actually happened and she wants me to believe they happened. So she'd be like, mummy, you know, um, after you put me to bed last night, I made a copy of myself and put her in the bed. And I went off and went to the lake and I dived in and I met my friends, the mermaids, and I spent the night with the mermaids. And I'm like, cool, okay. And she said, one day she went, mummy, you know when I'm a mermaid, you know I've actually, I've got white skin. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. And she went, only joking. And I was like, no, no, actually, I shouldn't have said that. If that's what you imagine, that's what you imagine. Why do you, why do you want to be white? I said, do you want to be white sometimes? And she went, yeah. And I said, why? And she went, it just looks like it's really fun. And it just fucking broke my heart. It broke my heart. Because the things that she's watching 
I'm just going to have to work harder at finding things for her to watch. But the things that she's watching, there's either no black people or there are, but once again, they are not the people that are at the centre of the story. So they're not the people that are getting to go on this massive adventure that changes them for life. They're the person that comes in to like sell them some cookies and then goes, or they're the person that they borrow a jumper off before they go. Do you know what I mean? They're never a person of real consequence. Just, it's been really um, special this lockdown time because I feel like I've really got to get get inside her mind and see what's actually going because we're doing homeschooling as well, um, which is just so intense. Just the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really been. I really feel like I've got to know sides of her that I didn't really see before, or something. I don't know who I'm even talking about. It's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah, completely. I think it's the small positives in this whole negative experience that we're all in. As well as you know, I'm actually having a great time in lockdown. <laughs> that's, that's fabulous. Yeah. I'm really sad about all of the shit things for people. Like, all the death is just unconscionable. It's horrible. It, like, I'm so, I feel so lucky that it hasn't happened to any of my close people. But I have really enjoyed this time of not having to really be in touch with people, not having to really go anywhere, to just be at home. There's a few things I need to achieve that day. And if I achieve them, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. I really it's a time it. for us all to unwind and just I focus think it's on ourselves. It's made us all slow down. We all work at a thousand miles an hour all the time. And there's mm. this thing that you've got to be going, you've got to be doing this, 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 and this. And you feel guilty for taking a day off. But now that we've been forced to take, I mean, I think I've been in my house for 10 weeks now. It's, yeah. it's so mad, but... I'm getting some, like, I mean, Scarlett will attribute to this. I've been so productive the last, like, couple of weeks, like, more productive than I've probably been in the last year. Mm. Um, And it's just, I don't know what it is about it. And I'm like, at the start of lockdown, I really wasn't. I was really struggling. But I've kind of come out of it. And uh, I think it's just a really interesting time for us. And if we can take some positives from it, then that's the best thing that we can can do. Mm. Exactly. And bring us all closer together as yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. When we come, when we come out of it, it's yeah. fine. But on the topic of yes. what will happen after lockdown is lifted, um, what would you like to see back on the stage when we all return to the theatre? I would like to see some really good plays that aren't all about famous people being in them. Fantastic! I'm with you on that. Any in particular? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about plays to say. I sort of get to know plays if I'm auditioning for them or if I've seen them. Do you know what I mean? Or if I've been in them. And I feel like I just want to see some good plays because even though in the word association, when you said Shakespeare, I said boring. That is not how I feel about Shakespeare, but it is how I feel about 90% of the Shakespeare's that I've seen. But I remember <laughs> I went to see um, um, The Tempest at the Barbican in some basement little venue that they've got there. And it was a Russian company and it was all in Russian. It was one of the best pieces of theatre I'd seen to, to date, oh. to that, that, at that point in time. So, like, I just want to see some really good storytelling that's brave and it isn't trying to be cool. I don't want to see, like, sets made of glass. I just want to see some a play that's good. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sets made of glass. 
So just before we get on to our final question, do you have any advice for young actors who are maybe unsure of how to get the work that they're passionate about? I really don't know what to say about this one because it's so easy to feel completely lost and irrelevant when you're in the industry and you feel like the work's not coming to you. I would say that I feel like now there are loads of sort of schemes for young people that want to make their own stuff or that want to see theatre or see stuff. And I guess I would just say, utilize those things, utilize the cheaper tickets and just immerse yourself in it while you don't have anybody else to um, look after. Throw yourself into it. And if you feel like you want to write, if you feel like you could write, do it. If you feel like the work that you're passionate about isn't coming to you, try making it. And even, I, I actually believe that if you are putting things out into the universe something that you want no matter how big that thing is that you want it shifts something and something good comes to you it might not be the thing that you articulated you want but it will be something really great and so I don't have like industry tips but I would say just try and keep sending the good thoughts about yourself out there like I I used to do a thing which I should start doing again actually where every sort of six months I would sit down and write in a notebook the things that I wanted to achieve in the next six months and it pretty much always happened and I'm sure that that is because I was consciously engaging with what I wanted and it just does something to the energy in you and does something to the, into the energy of the world. I just believe it does. And, you know, you know the roots that I came from. So I wasn't making um, dreams of Hollywood. I was literally going, I would like to get a job in a theatre rather than in a prison or in a school. I would like to be a leading role or uh, do you know what I mean? So I think consciously saying what you want to happen and staying on it and actually staying connected to the people that keep you grounded, like my family, I swear, has been the thing that's kept me sane. Yeah, amazing, amazing, (laughs) fantastic. And that leads us on to our very last question, which is, could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Oh my God, actually, I really don't know because I would love to say yes I'd be able to but actually I don't know if I could because of what it does to other people so I'm really open and I'm happy to just talk about how I'm feeling but a lot of the time the effect that has on people is they worry about me and they think that I am like fragile or in a bad place whereas actually I'm fine I'm just able to say I'm really worried about this right now And so I would feel that if I was going to go into a room and go, I'm having a bad mental health day, I don't really want people coming up to me going, are you okay? Can I get you a, what happened? Do you know what I mean? So I don't really want the attention, but it is very, it's really worth thinking about because there are days when I need space. And actually it's something to do with the language actually. So maybe I'd need to find a way of saying, I don't know, like, I need a bit of space today just sounds like a bit pricky, but I might be a bit quiet today, but I'm fine. 
And that I know would just draw enough of a circle around me to just give me time to deal with whatever I'm dealing with. Because I feel like by saying I'm having a bad mental health day, I don't, I don't want the attention. Do you, does that make any sense? Yeah, completely, completely. Completely. There's a, there's no right or wrong to that. We just love to hear. Yeah, because for thoughts. some people, because I work with one director who is, I love her so much. She's so wonderful. Her name's Dawn Walton. She's just, I love her. And she just came in one day and was just like, my mum's not very well. Um, and I'm carrying that. I just think you should know I'm fine, but I want, I just think you should know that that's with me today. And I just respected her so much for it that she was able to say that. And I could see that once she said it, she was able to be like, okay, let's get to work. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Sometimes you just need to be like, yeah. Like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Don't know why I just, I just blew into the air, but I feel like, yeah, to like disperse it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, to just disperse the thing. It's gone. It's in the air now. Yeah. Exactly. Completely. Completely. Yeah. Thank you so much for this Thank amazing Thank you, guys. I'm interview. sorry for a bit waffling. It feels like no, it might be a nightmare to end it. Don't you no, worry. It's incredible. It's incredible. We we do have a game, though. To oh, yeah. Do the game. So, the first one. My favourite thing to do for me is... Oh, shit. Um... I want to say go for a run. <laughs> that is oh, so yes. boring. <laughs> but also watch telly on my own. What, what are you watching on Netflix? Oh, I'm not watching anything on Netflix, but because my dad doesn't have Netflix, but at home, because I've been here for the whole of lockdown, he's got the entire season, every season of um, West Wing, which I never saw at the time. Oh. So I have been getting down and dirty with the West Wing. It is really good, guys. My favourite theatre mishap is... Oh, this is the game. Um, I farted once in the middle of a scene and it was really, really loud and I had my back to the audience but my co my fellow actors didn't so I could just laugh and they were just like oh my gosh <laughs> amazing brilliant. amazing fantastic <laughs> the, the best thing about being a mum is oh uh, she's mates she's like my mate it's really fun it's really fun. Actually, also, it's really great to know that you can actually push another person out of your vagina. Seems impossible, but actually, it's so possible. And my labour was really great. Really? <gasps> yeah. It was amazing. Honestly, something that puts me off ever having a child. I, I just, I, I think I would. I, I couldn't do it. You can. Kathy's ready. Kathy's ready to go. Not yet. Give me not yet. Maybe in a month, but not yet. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not right now. Can you imagine? No. I love that, Kathy. No, I'd no. Be a, I'd be a great auntie. Yeah, but give you give would. me give me at least until like give me at least four years, okay? Four years. Yeah. Yeah. Four, yeah, years. four years is good. Yeah. This time next year. Okay? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> My ideal holiday destination would be. Oh, I'd love to hire out a cottage in the south of France with a swimming pool and get loads of nice food in. And then my daughter can just play and swim and I can just sit out with some nice wine. Amazing. Sounds perfect. My dead or alive party guest would be? Oh, Bob Marley probably. If I was stranded on a desert island, my one item would be? Olive oil. Olive oil. Oh, yeah. 
I put it in my hair. I put it, my hair loves it. My skin loves it. Cook with it. I put it in everything. Olive oil is the shit. Brilliant, brilliant. And finally, my favourite press night drink is... Gin and tonic. Have you finished your gin and tonic? No, there's still loads in there because every time I wanted to take a sip, I was like, I want them to think that my answers are real though and that they're not influenced by alcohol. So I didn't have to. Please drink, please drink. Anyway, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You guys are just so beautiful. You're doing such good work. I'm really proud to know you. Oh, thank you. Keep it love. Proud to know you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us on our email, which is info at industryminds.co.uk. For all counselling inquiries, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at industrymindsuk. There you can keep up to date with all our latest announcements. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.